have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roll with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? look great in person and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey Bob, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy today. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. And welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. This is episode 66, I believe. I'm never too sure what that actual number is. I should probably do a little bit more research, but as you know, we do not fact check over here. And any information we have, we usually just make up off of Wikipedia. So today we have with us the creator of Reception Perception, the innovator of the wide receiver position here, Mr. Matt Harmon. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great after that electric intro video you guys had. That was, uh, if that doesn't get the juices flowing, I don't know it will. But uh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm hyped to talk to you about literally whatever here at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific on the on the West Coast. Well, we're glad to have you here. We we were just talking before the show. We You can never have enough mats, right? The fantasy football world needs more mats. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I really feel like that, there, that we might have um, – we might have hit the minimum or the max here on, on mats, but uh, it, it you know a lot of people in my real life just call me Harmon anyway, so yeah, it works. Well, I don't know about you, but I've been called a lot worse than Matt in my day. In fact, I was going on Twitter by the by Dingus for the longest time, so I, I kind of embraced the inner Dingus of the mats. So uh, we got a hopefully a good show with you uh, today. We got Calvin and Hobby and Tara Roberts as usual with us joining us here again. So make sure. Uh, you check them out. We get an opportunity to do so. And we're going to dive right in because we have this contractually obligated part of our show in which we need to talk football. And we're going to do this with a little bit of the reception perception because I know you've got some rookies who are your guys based on what the reception perception model kind of came. We'll talk about that a little bit later, how that all came about. But what are some of these rookies that look like they're going to succeed right off the get-go? And some of the rookies that perhaps may take a year or two but are going to be big-time players down the road. Yeah, you know, right before I jumped on with you guys, uh, James Coe and I were hosting, uh, you know, our Reception Perception live show for our subscribers. We were going through a few of these. You know, we talked a bunch of rookies on the first episode. You know, Rashad Bateman landing in Baltimore, Elijah Moore, two guys. I'm a, I'm I'm really a huge fan of both those players. You know, Bateman's landing spot, obviously, a little bit of a bummer for immediate fantasy football production, but I do think like Baltimore needed a player like that so badly. You know, the the entire passing attack needed someone like that to boost that ecosystem. Um, but Elijah Moore, you know, landing with the New York Jets. I love this player. I love this fit. I, I love the pick there. And, you know, I, I look at this Jets receiver core that went from, you know, just about one of the stone worst receiver rooms in the NFL during Sam Darnold's time there. You know, there's a the song by Oasis, like, don't look back in anger or whatever. I hope Sam doesn't look back 
at the uh, New York Jets and think like, why, why did they never do this for me? What they've done for Zach Wilson? Because this suddenly looks like they've got two ball winners on the outside. Denzel Mims, I think, is a true X. And I think that uh, Corey Davis is a really good Z that can win in the intermediate, kind of do that dirty work. You wouldn't think of that as a top five you know, a guy who was fifth overall in terms of when he was drafted all those years ago. But he does that sort of dirty work, you know, as that flanker receiver, runs those in-breaking routes, wins contested passes. But they didn't really have somebody that I think could bring that electric juice potential on some of those layup passes in the Shanahan offshoot offense that they're going to be running there. Elijah Moore is going to drop perfectly into that spot. Uh, I think he could be a hit in year one if they trade or release Jameson Crowder at some point. You would think for $10 million, like someone's going to throw a seventh-round pick. Why not the Titans throw like a seventh-round pick at, uh, at at the Jets for Jameson Crowder or, or the Packers, something like that. You know, just another thing to try to appease Aaron Rodgers to get him to come back to town. Really like Elijah Moore. And then, you know, we're talking about like some guys that I think might – take a little while. I, I definitely think the easy answer is Kadarius Tony with the Giants. And, you know, it's not so much that I, I hate the player or anything. I actually think he's great after the catch. I wrote a superlatives article for Reception Perception where I think he's the best after catch receiver in the draft class. Um, it's just, I, I think that basically I said going into the draft that whichever coaching staff got him, they were going to be starting from square one, ground zero, when it comes to building up his route running profile. Um, and if I could have picked any coaching staff to be the one to do it, probably wouldn't have picked one with Jason Garrett on the staff. So little, like not that excited about that landing spot. Although at the same time, I'm in a rookie draft right now. Guy falls to like 2.7, 2.8 uh, pick in the second round. You got to kind of take him there. So uh, yeah, he's on. He's on my one dynasty, my one main dynasty uh, league right now. So uh, I guess maybe I'm hoping I'm wrong. I think, like most people, I'm in like five rookie drafts right now, and it seems like a hot topic of conversation that Amonra St. Brown and his landing la landing spot. What do you think about him and? being there in Detroit and what are your expectations for him year one and beyond? Well, obviously, you know, Detroit is just bereft of wide receiver talent. You know, they had to sign freaking Brashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams just to field like a non-expansion level wide receiver room. They're, they're, they were a total mess there. You look at St. Brown and reception perception. Um, I think he can fit into, and I said this before the NFL draft, obviously it's an easier connection now um, in his reception perception profile on the website. I wrote that he could kind of fit into a Cooper cup type of mold gets drafted with a team with Jared Goff. Obviously there's some connective tissue with the front office guys there with the LA Rams. You know, maybe he slides into that big slot role. You know, that's a, that's a role that Cooper cup has thrived in as a, a guy who struggles against press man coverage. I think that's going to be St. Brown in the NFL. He finished at the eighth percentile in terms of success rate versus press coverage among college prospects. I think he's a guy that needs to play inside, but when he does, you know, he's got strong success rates on slants, on some of those outbreaking routes that you can win on from the inside, like the flat or the out or the comeback. Like that type of profile fits a player like this really well, especially because he was one of the best receivers on contested catches in reception perception this year. I I really think that he could fit into that role. You know, I'm not going to go crazy with expectations in year one because uh, he is a rookie. He is a guy that was drafted on the fourth day. Um, you know, when you're start like I got to that point, I just mentioned I drafted Kadarius Tony. Like I could tell myself this story about um, where St. Brown slides into this role and becomes that player. But right now here in May, that's just a story. We don't, you know, we don't have like camp reports or preseason to see that he really is sliding into that role. So I had to say to myself, like, all right, 
I like St. Brown, the prospect, and I like the landing spot here, but am I really going to pass up a guy that went in the first round that I'm not that excited about? And this is the fun part of playing Dynasty where you have to sort of build that uh, that strategy into it, even if just in a vacuum. Uh, I do believe that that could happen. It's only right now just a small percentage of the range of outcomes that you're looking at for St. Brown. Uh, what are some other deep sleepers? Uh, I'm going to be a little selfish here, and I'm going to ask um... – what do you think about Cornell Powell? Yeah, Powell's a guy that uh, was sort of on the fringes for me in terms of players that I was going to chart. But look, uh, receivers right now in Kansas City, I think people maybe maybe it's starting to become a little more known. But like going into the offseason, it was just clear how shallow they were in terms of wide receiver depth, uh, even just pass catching depth. You know, this is a this is a team right now that had, basically has Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and no one else. And I think what Cornell Powell does well is he's a big receiver that plays physical. That's another thing that they lack right now. You know, Demarcus Robinson has never been a physical player. Um, you know, even if Powell's not the biggest guy, he brings that physical edge in terms of the way he wins 50-50 uh, balls, everything like that. You know, McCall Harvin has not developed into that player either. So I like this pick a lot as someone that we have to keep an eye on simply because, look, any anyone that you're uh, anyone that's going to be attached to Patrick Mahomes is going to be on the radar. But I'm really sick of talking about guys like Demarcus Robinson uh, being on that radar because they're attached <laughs> to, to Patrick Mahomes. What? Yeah. No Brian Pringle talk? No Brian Pringle in this either. You know what? We were talking about this off off stage. You know when guys get brought up that I've just never charted. Uh, that's uh, that's one of them. I've not yet not I've yet to look at his like one catch or whatever. <laughs> so huge. Before we move on. Before we move into the actual show that people are coming to watch, um, do, do you have a type? I've got a type. When I look at this rookie classic, the Michael Strack and the, the Jalen Camp, the big physical freak of nature type of receivers, those are kind of my guys. You know, Those are the kind of guys I gravitate. Jacob Harris is probably going to look more like a tight end than a wide receiver when it's all said and done. Is there a Matt Harmon type? Do you have a type of receiver? I'm sure a lot of people would immediately think of, of like the smaller receivers, you know, Curtis the, the Stephon, yeah, it is Curtis Samuel, Stefan Diggs, Tyler Lockett, uh, John, John Brown, Brown. talked about him off the, yeah, exactly. Um, I think people would associate that, but like for me, I just like guys who can get open because I am bullish on the fact that if you can't get open, you're not going to play in the NFL. You're not going to last. And like guys that, you know, I think reception perception would show you this, like, in the uh, methodology article on the website uh, that I wrote, it's sort of an intro to reception perception piece. There's a section in there that's called the proof, basically like showing that if you finish at the 90th percentile in terms of success rate versus man coverage over the last um, eight years that I've charted worth of NFL data, uh, you know, going back to 2014, 2013, you know, you're not you're going to at some point find some level of career success, um, you know, and then it, it goes down as you go down. But like if you're 80th percentile, even 70th percentile getting open against man coverage at some point, those guys are having thousand yard seasons, you know, which is just an arbitrary measure of success. But how do we really measure success? Um, all the actual hardcore like numbers, percentages, hit rates, all that that's on the website. People can go check that out. If they want, that's a free article that people can look at. But like my point in all that is, you know, if you're six five and you can get open, you're gonna find success. Uh, if you're five nine and you can get open, you can run good routes, you have good technique, you're gonna find NFL NFL success. So you know, I don't care if it's Allen Robinson, the prototypical you know X number one big alpha wide receiver running routes like a stud. I, that's my type. If it's Stefan Diggs doing it at a smaller size, that's my type. Like 
I think that guys have to be able to separate, you know, the idea that even a player like Mike Evans, you know, Mike Evans is a guy that gets kind of typecasted as, um, Oh, he's just a big contested ball winner. The amount of targets that um, a player like that that's going to get this really would be a contested situation. That's like maybe 30% of their targets, which is a non-significant number, but like that's on the high end for players. Even a guy like Mike Evans has finished regularly over the 70th percentile in terms of getting open versus man coverage. So again, the size of it doesn't matter. Just get open, have good technique, because that also shows like this guy's dedicated to his craft. Most of these um guys like Stefan Diggs you know this guy was a day three draft pick um he was supposed to be behind Cordero Patterson and like Laquan Treadwell it feels like a thousand years ago but that those are the players that were ahead of him on that depth chart uh at different points right like those were supposed to be the guys um and yeah Stefan Diggs ended up outworking all of them because of that it was work ethic and that's why I think I really love those route runners because it's a reflection of the time the effort the dedication that that takes and obviously being a high-end athlete doesn't hurt as well and with that we are done with the current nfl talk and it's time to go into the viper pit don't be scared matt it's oh. it's we, we've done this before it's <laughs> okay intense. we'll make it out and we start with a with a question that helps us get to know you a little bit so a good way to do that sports are obviously important music's important too and certainly a big part of our lives and you know we like to ask the question this way like if you were a closer in baseball or like a wrestler and you had an an intro song that would properly introduce you to an to an audience what would be the right song for you oh man that is a tough one um oh because i'm like most of the music that i really like is not um i'm trying to get better at hype music you know uh i actually just made a uh a playlist for the spring summer uh just literally just called outside drinking playlist you know because i'm trying to be better i'm trying to be a better vibes guy you know as i'm here in my um you know heading into my 30s i'm trying to set the mood a little more you know not that kind of mood but like the the outside drinking mood (laughs) this is a terrible answer this is a terrible answer so far i'm actually like trying to pull up my spotify to answer this um on the uh on the spot but at the same time i think also you really got to like, you really got to throw people like, are you, so this has to be like a hype song, right? You know, you got to really, I'm trying to, I'm trying to introduce myself to, uh, yeah, whatever you, hype what, what situation. Gets you either kind of combines getting the fans into it or what gets you focused in the game. Like I know for me personally, I'm the slow kind of music. I need something to kind of bring me down. Cause I, I, mm. I, when I go out there, the light switch turns on pretty quickly. And if I go in with some hype music, I'm probably going to come in over amped. Right. So I need something to kind of bring me down right off the get go when I'm coming out. So are you kind of like that? You said, kind of said you kind of got the mellow kind of music usually going on, a little bit of the flow, maybe kind of focus your mind, or do you need to get jacked up with the music? No, see, this is, um, this is where this is where like my, my, my stupidity has to take over. I think if I'm coming out to a crowd like that, I'm definitely going with some like Jimmy Buffett song. Like, this is like, what the hell is this guy doing out here? Like trying to set some weird tone. That's really what I think what I would, uh, what I would just let them know what I'm about at that point. <laughs> Love it. You know, I'll get some beach balls throwing around a little beach balls. Exactly. In the, in the, going around there. You know what? We bring everything full circle on the show. Cause even on Wednesday, we had a Jimmy Buffett reference. So we're, we're doing good. Say, Jimmy yeah. Buffett's getting some love on this show. Yep. Well, I know, I know Matthew Berry's a big Jimmy Buffett guy. Um, yep. so, and you know, we actually had a whole, uh, my fiance and I had like a whole 
back and forth last summer when I'm trying to um, basically like build these uh, sort of playlists or whatever. And she's like, what, what the hell is this? Like, you know, Jimmy Buffett pops on and I'm like, trust me, it grows on you and it's a vibe thing. Like it's, it's listen, am I sitting here like in the middle of the day as I'm writing articles? Like, yeah, let me throw some Jimmy Buffett on. No, I'm not. But if I'm, you know, outside, we're on the beach, we're on the boat, we're on the back deck, the patio, whatever, you know, three buttons may or may not be down on the button up, uh, you know, beer might be in hand. That's the type of vibe I'm trying to set here. So it, you know, it's situational. A year later, I think I'm, I'm, I'm like seventy percent of the way there, convincing her that this is a good take. But um, that's about as close as I can get. <laughs> nice. I'll co-sign you on the vibes thing. I, and maybe, maybe it is the three things. I'm, I'm in there too. So um, I just started a vibes playlist too, kind of like you know, I don't know, just exactly. you know, just kind of like a mood. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, it's all then. about, it's all about like different, different, like different playlists have to fit different things. And, um, the, the outside drinking playlist is my main focus right now, but you know, I've, I've been good at like the inside cooking dinner playlist for years. Uh, that's the, that's like my, the, I'm, my specialty, my go-to, I can do that every mm -hmm. single time, you know, a good writing playlist with some like instrumental, get the brain juices flowing. I'm good at that. But it's like you said, Tara, we got to get better at the like vibes. And listen, no one wants to come over and hang out um, in your backyard if you're uh, with, with all your friends and like hear your writing playlist, you know, so it's, it's a work. It's a work in progress for all of us. And there's got to be something on there for everybody. You know, there's got to be a little bit of a um, little bit of pop, a little bit of Jimmy Buffett, a little bit of, um, you know, she's she uh, she loves Doja Cat. That's got to be on there. So it's got to be a good like you don't know what you're going to get um, with this playlist. Nice, nice. So let's dive into <laughs> let's dive into you. Um, let's kind of yeah, work it back. Tell us about you growing up. Your you know what sports did you play? What were your favorite teams growing up? Yeah, so uh, I was. Uh, I'm just gonna be blunt about it. I was a fat, lazy kid. Uh, so I did not. Uh, I was not a big sports uh, sports guy growing up. I did play baseball. I was really actually that was kind of the first sport that I sort of fell in love with, which is ironic because I don't. Um, I don't really care. I don't care about baseball. Uh, I keep bringing up like drinking outside, but that's the only reason I'm going to a baseball game at this point is like, so I can have a couple beers with my friends outside. Um, this is going to be a tough look for me at this point. Like all people are going to think I'll do is, is outside drinking. I'm not, I'm usually right here uh, charting receivers. So <laughs> actually not that fun. Uh, but yeah, so I, that was the sport that I played the most growing up and um, you know, I just wasn't that into that either. So I eventually quit that when I got more into like high school. Um, but for me, yeah, that was, I actually really, talking so much about music that was kind of my biggest hobby growing up uh, I played guitar I played uh, piano that was kind of my uh, my thing music was my first love before um, before football anything like that kind of ended up in this whole uh, football thing by accident and I always liked watching the game um, you know and playing like an in intramural leagues or whatever but um, I remember my my best friend in uh, in high school, my childhood best friend. He's still my best friend. Uh, but he just came up to me one, I think it was like my sophomore year of high school is like, Hey man, we need like an extra for, um, the last guy for our fantasy football league. I was like, I'm not doing that. That sounds fantasy football. That sounds stupid. Well, 
look at me. What do I know? <laughs> um, ended up uh, ended up playing and just something about it clicked. And I, uh, I've been obsessed uh, ever since, you know, after that I had to like, I was like the kid that uh, whatever I was into, I was all the way into, you know, if I was like into Lord of the Ring dork, if I was into Lord of the Rings at that time, I had to have like every video game, every action figure, same thing with like my dad, when he got me into James Bond, I had to like, have the action figures, watch every single movie with him, that whole thing. So when football and fantasy football really just took over my brain, it was like I had to know every roster back to front. You know, I had to like know every playbook on Madden, like every player's speed or whatever. So um, I was full on obsessed and I, I guess it's a good thing it's ended up working out as a career. Otherwise, I would have been a lot of wasted hours. I know that full feeling. I had all the action figures for He-Man growing up. You name it, I had it. We were good to oh, go. Yeah. And, and I have a confession right now. As of, I think it was Friday, I watched the very first Lord of the Rings. I have not <laughs> seen any of the Lord of the Rings until Friday. I'm done number one and wow. number two. And thank wow. God they're on two discs because there's no way I'm going to be able to sit at my age in the same spot <laughs> for three hours without either having to go to the washroom or stretching. So to get up to switch the disc, fantastic invention. Good there, timing. Yeah. Yeah. What a disc. <laughs> yeah. That's the also TV kind of a, that was a, that was a, that was an interesting ref. Uh, people, people, um, people, people still do that. I'm like surprised, yeah. honestly. I'm, like I'm impressed. Well, so we, we, we can get it on the streaming thing, but that costs four ninety nine, and <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about me. I, I'm, I'm Canadian and I've got like 12 kids. So I'm very frugal <laughs> with my money. So we, my wife actually went out and found someone who had the, the box set who refuses wow. to buy, do the streaming thing, but she'd rather spend the money on the CDs. So she borrowed the CDs and now we're in the midst of watching this trilogy or whatever. And I have, I, I had to make the decision. I had to go watch the Lord of the Rings before the Hobbit movies. I'm not sure if that was the right play or not, but the Lord of the Rings technically you know, came out know. first, but the Hobbit came out, you know, I was kind of like, Ugh. But we're going with you don't need to watch, first. You don't need to watch The Hobbit. You don't. Good. That, that probably just saved me about six hours of my life right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you're, you're welcome for that. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why we come to this show right now for this kind of advice. Uh, I want to kind of combine uh, Yahoo does some golf stuff over there. Uh, I'm sure you do a little bit of golf in the spare time. Have you ever heard of the golfer Matt Harmon? Yeah, uh, he's the guy who every now and again I'll get, um, you know, tweets or uh, like text screenshots, be like, hey, dude, nice, like, new look when I, I don't know, people like look me up on, like, try to Google my stuff or whatever. Um, I think, I think I actually for a while popped up because like, someone sent me this, like, a screenshot of me on, on the Roto World show uh, back a couple, like, early 2020. Uh, I, I like taken over his like Google page or Wikipedia page, like by like a pro a picture of me, just, you know, some sort of algorithm mix up or whatever. Um, so I'm familiar with his work. I'm familiar with, um, there was a Matt Harmon in that like full house remake. Full house, yep. Yeah. Full yep. House. That's, yep. That's exactly yep. where I was going. So <laughs> you know who he is. You've seen both these guys. So if we're taking the draft combine, we're going to, you know, we're going to pull it out of Indianapolis and we're going to take it to West Virginia. We're going to have the combine in West Virginia this year. <laughs> <laughs> so which matt Harmon is going to wow the scouts the golfer the actor or the fantasy guru uh you know i'd really need to check in on uh, it depends right like each individual drill um i don't know what uh the actor matt Harmon's you know situation is in terms of um I me mean, looks like a pretty handsome guy 
Uh, I'm sure he's in pretty good shape, obviously being on uh, the big screen, well, or the Netflix screen or whatever. Uh, I would say that golfer Matt Harmon's probably in pretty good shape as well. Probably got pretty good endurance. I bet he, I would bet he takes the 40. Um, I would bet that I get last in the three cone drill. I've got, I don't know what their situation is from, from like a knee perspective. I know I've got one bad knee. That's not going so well. Um, so I, I don't think the, the quick quickness is going to be my thing. I'm taking them on the bench press for sure, though. I'm, I'm confident in, in that area. Um, but that's about it. I don't know those guys. I would, I'm not the, um, not the fastest, not the, uh, not the quickest, uh, Twitch guy, but I'll, I, I've got I've got some strength and probably not very. I don't know. I'm I'm probably I'm pretty tall, but uh, I don't know that I have the best vertical jump either. So it really depends on the drill, is is what I'd I'd say for that one. Yeah, this looks like three guys who are in pretty good shape. You're, you're in pretty good shape. You kind of mentioned you were a little bit larger at one point in your career, and you look like you're in fantastic shape now. Obviously, the actor is in good shape. And the golfer, we know what kind of condition you have to be in a golfer. There's very few that could pull off the John Daly in today's game nowadays, yeah. right? No, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no like, um, letting yourself go and, and being a golfer at this point. Those guys all look uh, – that, those guys all look like they're, they're especially you know you got to wear the tight fit polos when you're golfing. You got to be a pretty pretty good looking guy to be golfing. Instead of the compression sleeves, it's like the compression chest garment. You know, it's, everything's like pulled in nice and tight. Um, exactly. We kind of talk about uh, reception perception. We tied Gra uh, Graham Barfield on earlier. He kind of said he's kind of borrowed the reception perception model and kind of applied it to his uh, his running backs formula there. So you kind of gave him that. Uh, way to do that. Uh, how did this, where did the idea come from? Because this has been out now for quite a while. You developed this uh, mythology uh, years and years ago. How did that come about? And then how has it kind of changed over the years? Because obviously adaptation is very important in any kind of formula. Yeah. So for me, it was uh, back in 2013, 2014, uh, deciding that I wanted to give it a shot in terms of pursuing a space in the football media career. Um, pretty wild idea considering I was uh, a literal nobody. I mean, I'm a no I'm still a nobody, but uh, you know, I have no connections. I had no, uh, you know, I didn't play in the NFL. Um, I didn't know people in media. I didn't know people with teams. Uh, I was just some guy in a one bedroom apartment in Lynchburg, Virginia, not West Virginia, Lynchburg, Virginia, um, literally just like deciding that I wanted to do this. Uh, and for me, it was like, okay, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to stand out. Uh, I'm going to have to be, do something different. And so I decided to basically try to be, try to be the guy to answer the one big question that I had about football, which for me was what are wide receivers doing when they run off the screen? You know, because we know that in order to just, accrue any type of production, right? Just to even get a pass thrown their way. So many things have to go right for a wide receiver. Like a wide receiver is lucky if they get 10 targets in a game, like that's considered a lot, but there's, you know, 30, 40 pass attempts in a game, a bunch more offensive plays that are running a game. So I think I just thought to myself that there's really no one uh, out there answering like giving wide receivers credit for the one thing that they can control, which is how often do they run good routes? How often do they get a separation on those routes and present a reasonable target for the quarterback to throw to? Like so much has to go right. There's so, the wide receivers are so dependent on other factors just to get any sort of production. Uh, so I wanted to try to find a way to isolate 
those wide receivers on those plays where they are in control and running those routes. Uh, and that's really where the idea was born. So basically I decided that I was going to go in and chart as much film as possible, chart every route that receivers ran over a sample of games. And that was kind of how reception perception was born. Really, honestly, most of the tweaking to the actual process happened before I put any content out because I wanted to be sure what I was doing made sense. I wanted to be sure that what I was doing uh, was reflective of of reality, basically. So, you know, I, my dad likes to recall the story of walking into my apartment and 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 just seeing these like papers strewn everywhere, you know. Uh, and I'm like, he's like, what what the hell is going on here? I'm like, I'm working on you know, I'm working on something for my website. It's uh, called Reception Perception. It's a whole thing. Um, the, that was quite a scene. A lot of papers involved in that. But yeah, so man, most of the tweaking, the actual process of how to chart these guys went on before any content was out. But I would say that most of the development of the process has come from really just the amount of uh, data that I have now. Like I said, I've been doing this since 2014. And just anytime you're anytime you're collecting data, anytime you're working with numbers, the larger your sample size, uh, the more accurate that you're going to be at interpreting that data. I've always said that like reception perception shows like the methodology shows what it shows and like the numbers are what the numbers are. And those numbers don't lie like this, you know, this guy got open on this percentage of his routes and, and all that. But the interpreter, which is me, can be very wrong in interpreting what that means, especially early on. Like there are things, you know, that I said based on reception perception data in like 2016, you know, that I would never say now just because that's the benefit of having over 300 players in the database as opposed to 30 or something like that so i would say that most yeah most of the development has has gone on just in in the benefit of having a sample size and being better at you know interpreting and what i would say based on those results and then trying to as much as possible like show that and communicate that to users and readers and folks that want to purchase access to the data and and apply it in their in their own way because you know anytime you're working with numbers and like you're producing unique data that isn't out there anywhere else it's tough for you know it's tough for everybody uh, and also you want to give people the sort of the keys to be able to you know what's the stupid saying about you teach someone to fish whatever you get catch man fish feed him for a day I'm trying to get people to you know eat and fish their whole damn life uh, with all this wide receiver stuff. So, um, so let's talk maybe about uh, the specific fantasy teams that you have had growing up. So maybe let's um, let's dive into those special home leagues that you had. Is there someone that you're still in uh, that you have continued to keep going over through the years? Yeah, unfortunately, most of my home leagues have, have kind of petered off at this point, just, you know, through this, that or the other. Um, but I always like to look back and and uh, think about like the first fantasy, like I mentioned, that first fantasy league that I was ever in, um, you know, really having like no idea uh, what I was doing. Uh, I always like to look back finally in that league. That one continued for four, four or five, six years after the fact. Um, but I always like to revisit like the first team that was drafted. Uh, I would think I took... That was like with Jamal Lewis, his like one good year with the Browns. Uh, he was on that team. Mm. Joey Galloway with the Buccaneers when like Jeff Garcia was there for a hot second. Um, I think I actually at one point had Jeff Garcia on that team too as like a, a bi-week fill-in because I had Drew Brees that year and he had – or no, 
Tony Romo was on the team that year and like he had mm. some injury issues at some point. So Jeff Garcia got thrown in there and I'm like, I was really innovative, you know, 2007, 2008, Matt is like already working with some like stacking possibilities there with Jeff Garcia and, uh, <laughs> and Joey Galloway, <laughs> like way, way ahead of the time before DFS. So I like to think about that team a lot. Um, especially uh, because like my first draft picks were the ones that didn't work out all that well. Um, like I took Marvin Harrison the year that he fell off the cliff. Chad Ochocinco mm. was super uh, banged up that, that season. Um, so those like first couple picks didn't work classic already taken wide receivers. Um, mm. Those like first couple picks didn't work out. And it was a good, you know, good lesson. Like Joey Galloway was not the guy that I drafted to like be the guy uh, I picked mm. up like Ernest. I was really invested in the Buccaneers this year, I guess I was like picked up Ernest Graham off waivers when he had that little run. And it just goes to show you, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta work the waiver wire. You gotta make in season adjustments. You can't just rely on, uh, on your draft picks. Cause um, especially if it's your first league ever, your draft picks might be pretty terrible. <laughs> Ernest Graham is the perfect one for that. Like name a random NFL player that nobody remembers. Yes. Like that's yeah. Yes. He's like the perfect guy for that. And I will never forget. Team. I will never forget Ernest Graham because of that fantasy team. <laughs> Jamal Lewis. That was the 2000 yard season, right? Yeah. I think, I think I had him. No, no, too. no. That was, I had him like a, when he, after he flamed out with the Ravens and like signed with the Browns ah. for a hot second. Uh, but gotcha. he had like a he had a reasonably again. See, this is like maybe your draft picks weren't that good, um, but uh, yeah. So I took Jamal Lewis, but he had a decent year that one year. It was the the Browns offense with like Braylon Edwards and Derek mm. Anderson when they kind of tore up the league yeah. for a minute. Yeah, yep. I was that yep. Browns team. So at some point, obviously you're you know you're you're drafting these players and you're doing this and like you said, like already starting to think about wide receivers a little bit. But at some point, you went from just a somebody who's you know part of the fantasy football community as a as a you know just a uh, consumer and then you became a contributor talk about that that journey and what was what what made it click that okay I have something that I want to contribute to this community yeah for me it was um it was more of just like where I was with my life um from a personal perspective you know I've, I've talked about this on a lot of podcasts I've talked to just made the illusion to growing up as like an overweight kid. Uh, you know, I went through a really tough, uh, time in life from 2013, uh, sort of that the end of that year, I've written about this and talked about this in on other podcasts before. Um, but for me, it was just, it was, it was a dark time. It was, um, the worst chapter I think of, of my life so far. And I was really looking for something. Uh, once I realized I wanted to get myself on track, I, I started working out. I started losing weight. That was part of it. But also, you know, I wanted to give myself something that, you know, everybody's got that thing that like lights their fire, you know, that, that gets them um, jazzed up to just be alive and be a, be a person on planet earth. And, you know, I always loved to write. I, um, you know, graduated from, uh, from college undergrad from uh, university of Lynchburg and like wanted to pursue a PhD. Cause I was really interested in like social theory and researching and developing ideas and also really interested in writing. Um, but at the same time, I had this obsession with football, right? Like I had this obsession with roster building and team building and, and, and players and, and scouting and all that, you know, I was, and fantasy football obviously too. So something about it was just, you know, I was like, I should combine these two things. Right. Um, pretty risky to just blow up the whole like grad school plan, but glad I did it. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the moment for me was like, this just makes me feel, it just, it feels like I'm fulfilling my destiny in doing this. And 
which is stupid, right? You think of destiny as like a big giant heavy word, you know, I like, what is my destiny? Like it should be doing something serious or whatever. Uh, but for me, it just felt like when I was, when I found this path, something about it was just, I was getting the signal that this is the right thing uh, because the way it made me feel and, you know, starting my own website, backyard banter back in 2014 and putting content out there and eventually finding my way to reception perception. I mean, I can remember tweeting out like the early ugly reception perception charts and be like, what do you guys think of this? Like, what, what is this? Does this, uh, does this make any sense? Like, and you know, getting that feedback from people, which is the best part about being, I think in this community is the feedback that you get from people. And like the way people embrace you and the way people are willing to take in new ideas. Um, that to me, it was just, I was like, all right, I'm doing the right thing here. Cause it, you know, the, the universal feedback loop, whether it's people on Twitter, people in the fantasy community, or just the actual way it makes me feel as a person. It's like, all right, this is, this is, um, this is the right thing to do. And that might like a mildly heavy answer, but uh, it's the truth. Yeah, that's a really good answer. So like, so from the journey from then to now, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen? Do you mean with just uh, me or, or uh, uh, maybe the, just the within the industry? Or? Yeah. Within the community. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that, um, it's more packed with people doing good work than ever. Um, you know, I think 2013, 2014, when I started to do stuff was like the time to really get in. Uh, and it was like kind of almost I, the way I always talk about fantasy football, like you're, the, the, the industry is that this, it's a really, really big house, um, which is there's, there's so many ways that you can contribute. Like, Oh, you want to make videos? Of, you want to be on on camera and make videos about fantasy football? Well, start a YouTube page. You know, get a get a Streamyard account and get three of your friends to do videos with you and bring guests on. Like, dude, there's plenty of room for that, and there's plenty of room for people to come on and watch your show and con contribute and 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 consume your content. Like, it's so it's so you know it's so easy to make content and, and to find a voice and a space and you know there are websites that are always looking to hire people hire writers bring folks on but it's easier now than ever i think to do it for yourself like to to do it on your own create your own thing and people are ready and willing to find those you know people don't sit around and like well i'm only reading stuff or only consuming stuff i mean there always will be people that do this but i'm only reading stuff from espn i'm only reading stuff from nfl network or yahoo or whatever like people are ready and willing to find new content in new places that's the number one thing um that i think is is good uh it to to kind of like accelerate the industry and get new interesting voices um, you know, we don't need more, we don't need more of the same people, right? Like we don't need more mats. We've got enough. We're at capacity of mats. Uh, no, I'm kidding, but, but uh, I'm the cutoff. Know. I'm the last one. That's it. Right You're here. the last one after you <laughs> no more, no more, uh, no more, no more mats. Um, but yeah, I think that that's one of the biggest things I think that's changed is there's so much more power in the individual and like new, um, you know, new people to, uh, to, to find their way into the house and into the community. The, the same the, on the flip side, though, the one thing that I think is the same, and this is where I think the industry might be changing is that I was like, it's a very big house, but there are very few seats at the table. And when I say like seat at the table, I mean like full time, this is the only thing you do. And like, I was lucky that in 2015, I grabbed one of those seats and I'm still here. Um, but at the same time, 
maybe those times are changing too because there are so many ways that people can find their own space to create. And maybe those can turn into like full time. This is the only thing you do, you know, whether it's um, uh, Adam Levitan and uh, Evan Silva, like starting establish the run, like a new brand that people refer to. And like those guys have proven building, building up audience uh, that they've taken with them to their new thing. And I, I think that that could be sort of the change that we're seeing now is that even more so the power can be with the creator. And uh, look, I've, I've been in two, two corporate jobs, you know, with NFL, uh, with Yahoo, and they've both been great. They've been great for me. Um, but let me tell you what, it's, it's the, the idea of also just being like, like I'm just going to do whatever I want and, and get a, you know, make a living that way. That's obviously appealing too. So yeah, that's, I think, I think we're in a bit of a changing of the tide in the industry in that way. And I'm curious, Tara, I don't know that I'm really like answering your question or more so just asking more questions. Like, I'm curious to see what I would answer to this, like answer that question like three years from now, four years from now, because I do think we're sort of at an inflection point here where like more power is with us as individuals than ever and more space, like the, the amount of space for contributors still exists. And I'm hoping that we'll see more of a changing of the tide in terms of those seats at the table, because you can create these the seat your damn self, you know, and not rely on um, some company hiring you or whatever. No, I think you it's really good contribution, especially that part about the corporate versus the person that's on the side doing it on their own, making money that way as well. It makes, it's a really good contrast. So I like how you talk about transitioning from corporate to kind of on your own thing. It's kind of like transitioning from like, nice hair and stuff like that to the ball cap almost, or not having hair at all. You kind of can get away with that a little bit, making that nice transition. Now you, we've watched you kind of go from, uh, you said uh, your Virginia roots there to football guys. We had the backyard banter. We had the fancy hipsters kind of kick in there at one point, uh, NFL network, Yahoo to reception perception. So we've seen this kind of go along uh, quite a bit of anyone who's kind of followed along at all. Uh, my kind of question here is kind of a two-parter is what are some you've done you've done these podcasts all over the place you have hosted your own podcast sometimes you got that great chemistry with your co-host or maybe it's just going on a show and it's like this was awesome this didn't even feel like a show can you yeah. what's one memorable show podcast and then after that kind of talk was there ever that one moment where you're like you know what I've made it because like you said you're on that NFL network it was like all of a sudden I'm going to throw uh, Maurice Jones Drew walks into studio. He's ready to do a show with you or something like that. You're like, yeah. holy crap, I'm actually, you know what I mean? Was there that kind of moment as well? Oh my gosh. I, I like to think that I still get to have those moments, you know, the like, oh wow, this is, I can't believe this is real type of moments. Uh, I, I try to like not lose sight of that uh, ever. Cause then I feel like you get, I don't know, you don't want to get like jaded and get like used to it or whatever, like get used to the fact that like, oh, I can sit down with and like have a conversation with Stefan Diggs or something like that. Like you gotta, gotta, gotta treasure that stuff. Cause it's, it's, it's unique. And um, you know, you just gotta, should make you work harder and want to keep those moments uh, coming. But so to answer the two questions there, let's one, if there are moments where I felt like I, I made it, it was definitely like that those early and not like I made it, Cause I don't know. I don't know. I don't like the term like, Oh, I've made it or like, Oh, or whatever. Like, cause I, like I said, I want, I'm, I'm still working and I'm still, you know, I'm trying to build like a new website up, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look to like, okay, what's next, this or that or the other, um, you know, I'm content where I'm at. I love working at Yahoo. I love 
uh, the balance that hopefully is going to be created with this website and, and still working there. Um, you know, but you just never know what the future holds. So you're always working and, and keeping that grind going because, um, you, just, you can't rest. Like there are too many good, like I said, there are too many good people out there doing good things for you to just hang the, hang the cleats up and like rest on your laurels and, and, and just look back at what you have done. So I don't know that I like to look at it as like, Oh, I made it or whatever, but yeah, there were so many times like during just taping the fantasy hipsters thing, especially like the first season that we did that at the NFL where I'm like, yeah, I literally just like, we just called Maurice Jones drew Maurice Jones, who uh, like to his face. And um, <laughs> like, I used to draft, I used to draft that guy on my fantasy team, you know, or like Antonio Cromartie came on the show and we like made fun of him. Um, those are pretty cool moments for sure. Uh, and doing like player interviews is always one of those moments where it's like, Oh, I can't believe like this is legit happening. That's always awesome. Um, in terms of like, a, sh a show or something. I always go back to, again, the NFL days with uh, Marcus Grant, James Coe, uh, Alex mm. Gellhard, uh, Matt Franchise, and, and Adam Rank, and like doing shows with those folks. It was just like, wow, these are like actually people, especially come back to like corporate culture or whatever. People make such a big deal about like, how do we find people that have good chemistry? How do we find people, um, you know, that really jive well together? Like what's the right combination of this person's background and this person's background. And this, it's just get people in a room or a virtual room or whatever that like talking to each other and get them talking about uh, a football. And if that's your thing, then like it'll happen. And that's really what mm -hmm. we had. Like we all came from different places, different backgrounds, which, I think made, made it better. Right. We weren't like three, we're like three, four white guys from like the Northeast or whatever. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> we were just, we were different. We had different perspectives and like, we also viewed football differently too. I think that matters a lot. Like it's one thing when you get people that like view the game the same way you can have some good conversation and some good one-off shows. Um, but I think when you get like a group like that together that, you know, James sees football differently than I do. Um, you know, Marcus definitely sees football differently than I do. Franchise brings a different personality than I do and a different perspective than I do. And like, really when you get people together that like each other, that are actually friends and can have that dynamic, like that's chemistry and that's good stuff that like people still talk about that podcast. We haven't done that for years. You know, like people are still hyped to say like, Oh, it's great to see you and James back together. Like, we haven't been a part of that group in, um, you know, since uh, 2008. I left Yahoo in 2018, and the group the group started to fall apart before that. So I don't know. I think when people still talk about it, that's a good good sign that you were doing something right. Yeah, just kind of touch on that. I know we've seen Rank and Cole. They've kind of done their thing now on the YouTube channel. Like they haven't missed a beat. Then watching Cole and you go at it here, the last two episodes of Reception Perception. I watched that one episode, one the pilot episode. And then just the whole, you mentioned it, you guys see it differently. Devontae Smith, you guys talk about Devontae Smith and how him being a slot receiver and then Cole kind of goes off, but the chemistry is still there. Like you said, get in a group, a room with a group of people. I just want to talk football and see what happens from there. And you, you almost have that instant chemistry if you kind of get along with everyone you're working with. Yeah, it's it's about, you know, again, it's not just about like liking each other. It's just, but uh, that, that matters a lot. You know, that matters a lot to, you can make good TV, I guess, with people who are just all good at being on camera. But mm. I think especially podcasting, like when it's a just audio, that dynamic really matters. And I think people people 
vibe with that because they want to be a part of that type of uh, that type of community. You've done so many cool things already in in your career, but uh, let's just imagine a world where you don't get bitten by this fantasy football bug. What would Matt Harmon be doing if you weren't in the fantasy football industry? Yeah, I think I would have gone through with my original plan. Like like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to go pursue like a PhD in social theory, um, expanding on some of the the work that I had done as an undergraduate. Um, that was the plan before. For whatever reason, I decide. Well, for a lot of reasons, but reasons we don't uh, need to lay out for twenty minutes here on the show. Um, you know, really get into it. Uh, but yeah, I just decided that this was the path I wanted to give this a shot, especially because. I was 22 years old or something at the time. And like, I knew I would never do it if I didn't do it then, if I didn't just go all in and rip up those grad school applications. So yeah, I probably would be right now um, in a lot, a load of debt, <laughs> a load of academic debt, uh, hopefully teaching um, or like pursuing that path of becoming like a sociology professor at some college somewhere a lot of lot, maybe a lot more sweater vests uh, in my life than there are right now. Let's just put it that way. Well, you definitely have a little bit of history there with uh, wearing that sweater vest, so to speak, and doing the teaching and uh, teaching academic skills to people as well in your past from what, what my understanding is there. So I think that's something you could definitely fit into your current role if you weren't into fantasy football. Now, usually we kind of ask, I usually kind of make some sort of smart comment here about what I think you'd be doing, but I kind of have a listener question that came in here just a little while ago. And uh, the listener, you may know him, but he wants to know, have you figured out who Mike Trout is yet? <laughs> yeah. I uh, finally have figured out who, who Mike Trout is. Um, that was legitimately like, that was the first, so the first interaction I ever had with Adam rank to tell this story. Um, I was at the NFL. I'd just been hired like, you know, but I knew who Adam Rank was, by the way. Like I knew, you know, I'd listened to him on uh, shows before. I'd fo I followed him on Twitter. You know, read his articles, seen him on TV. Um, so I and I love. I was I always really liked Rank because he was just like, I don't I don't give a damn. Like I am who I am, and like uh, you know, it was just that I always respected because I was like never that. I'm like more that person now, but I was never that person like in my teenage years or my early, early twenties or whatever. So I admired that about rank and, you know, like having him, uh, he was coming over to the desks, like the art, our, our, what would become to be known as the stronghold, like the four desks of Gelhar, Marcus and franchise and myself. And he was talking about something. He said something about like Mike Trout to me. And I was like, oh, I don't know who that, like, who is Mike Trout? And he thought I was being like a smart ass, like, oh, new guy making some <laughs> stupid joke or whatever. And I was like, no, nah, dude, I really don't. I don't know. I don't know who that is. And um, he's like an Angels fan. And, uh, you know, yeah. obviously down there in the area, uh, <laughs> he was I didn't know. If, I honestly didn't know if we were going to recover from that one because he was um, he found that to be very, um, very off putting uh, that I did not know who like the best <laughs> player in baseball was. But I was like sorry man like number one i'm not from here and uh, number two i just there's already too much of my brain dedicated to football that if i start bringing other sports in i'm gonna forget like important information like where i live or um you know how to dial my mom on the phone number and my the phone that's not gonna be good <laughs> fair enough fair enough so so you talked about um so you talked about what you've learned about what um, we've learned about the community in terms of fantasy sports and what that's taught you. But um, what has fantasy sports taught you about yourself? Oof. Um, I think that, well, 
so fantasy sports is an interesting like way to put it, but I, I think I think the, this job has taught me about myself is that um, I'm really comfortable being myself, I think. Um, you know, and it's it's a confidence thing too because like I would have never been able to like, if I told myself, you know, 18 even like 19 years old, you know, someday you're going to be on like NFL network or you know on 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 like Yahoo shows or whatever the hell I'm doing now. Um, you know, like I would have never believed that. Like no, you don't have the confidence to do that. Uh no chance. Um but I think it's a belief in in myself for sure that uh this this uh job has given me and like this career path. I think when it comes to like what is what is fantasy sports in general taught me, um, it's that there's no limits to like how much you want to break things down. You know, with fantasy, there's always there's always different angles you can spin things. There's always different ways to look at the look at the game. You know, whether it's fantasy or just regular football. Um, and I also think that like it when people tell you like oh what you're studying or what you're like really into is meaningless. Like, you know. Who cares? Uh, because it is meaningless, right? Like fantasy football is the most meaningless thing in the world. Sports are are meaningless, right? But you can derive beauty and joy out of uh, anything, and, and I think that we all derive that some for some reason out of football and and, uh, and fantasy football. So, like the essential meaningless of it uh, is, is sort of uh, it, we can reconcile that because it brings it lights that fire. Uh, for us as, as, as we're all like sickos here doing like a show, you know, or, or writing articles or, or whatever. Like, I think, I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a really good answer. I love that. That's, um, but let's turn this page a little bit to relationships. Cause you mentioned like the NFL network crew that you worked with and, and all that, but who are some other guys or girls maybe that you have worked with in the past who helped you along the way and, you know, you've developed really good relationships with. Yeah, uh, I think that Andy Barons and I have developed a really good like back and forth at Yahoo because I uh, Andy was funny. Like I didn't really know Andy that much. Uh, you know, I'd followed him on Twitter, obviously, like knew who he was, but I didn't know him as like a person really before coming mm. to Yahoo. Um, and right away, I was like, oh, this guy's like he's sneaky funny. Like, um, <laughs> he, and I would always, and for some reason, you know, I just totally okay with just saying this is somebody I, I never knew. Um, but you know, Andy's profile picture on Twitter, like his, his avatar or whatever was like this very clean cut, dark haired picture of, of him from probably like, you know, 2001. Uh, I don't know. I was like, dude, Andy, your, your profile picture is just like, so outdated. That's gotta go. You know, like <laughs> we need to up. To, I was like, cause you got like a really good, I was like, you got like a hot dad thing going on now, man. Like you're like, <laughs> grayed out you've got the the beard here the hair is a lot more is a lot better styled now um so i actually uh i kept saying that to him like over and over again when i first got hired uh and but then like one night after a few too many drinks at a fantasy sports con conference uh, uh this was in tampa in 2019 i think uh, for some reason, he ended up changing his Twitter picture because I, I kept pushing him on like to change his Twitter picture. He just changed it randomly to a picture of my dog. And it was that for like, I think the entire 2019 football season. Uh, so that I've always like really enjoyed my my dynamic with um, with Andy in that way, because I think he's just, you know, again, we're two guys that really see football differently. We we um, we're, we play fantasy football differently. Like Andy's a really sharp like ranker. Andy's a really sharp uh just 
fantasy football player. I am not that guy. My rankings suck. I'm not good at it. I'll never be good at it. I don't want to be good at it. But um, Andy is is Greg's great about thinking that way with the game. So I think also in that same way, like we enjoy each other. We have good um, we have good chemistry, but also it's uh, we we are different in the way that we view football. Which, like I said earlier, I do think is important. So in terms of what you're working on right now in the off season, how does that compare to what you do in season? What's, what's the preparation that you're doing right now? Yeah. So right now uh, I'm charting just an absurd amount of receivers for reception perception. You know, this is the peak time uh, this year. I'm breaking it in differently. Like when I was working with the fantasy footballers and their draft kit, it was, I was basically going to dump all of the, data that I charted on players on June 1st this year, I'm staggering things out a little bit. Uh, so they're like next week I'm releasing, you know, the, the rookies are already on the website. You know, some of the guys that were free agents this year, those, they were, they're already on the website. Um, and then uh, looking at now I'm, I'm going to put uh, the players that were rookies in 2020, you know, the CD lamb, the Justin Jefferson's uh, those guys are going to go on the website next Monday. Uh, so right now, like I'm, I'm just trying to get through these new release dates that I've set for myself and just charting as many players as possible. I don't really do that as much uh, in season. Uh, this year, I will be doing like a rookie report a little bit uh, for reception perception. That's part of the new subscription model. Um, so there will be some in season charting this year, which will, I'm sure um, October me is probably going to want to come back and uh, kick uh, May me right in the ass. But uh <laughs> <laughs> not gonna not gonna appreciate that but yeah in season you know things are so you guys know this too like it's so segmented like monday is this day tuesday is this day wednesday is this day thursday like everything has a certain model to it you know at one of the better uh back the, one of the better backyard banter episodes or one that i always remember was adam levitan uh telling me basically like what I think people don't understand about folks who have to work in football is like, especially once you get into like a relationship, if football is your full-time job, like you basically have to live like an alternate lifestyle, you know, because Monday nights are booked. Sundays are booked Thursday. That's booked. And Oh, by the way, I'm doing a ton of work, you know, between all these days. So it just becomes this like all consuming thing. Um, but somehow I've still made, made my life all consumed by football and <laughs> charting rounds in the off season. So I don't know. I'm still, still looking for that downtime here somewhere along the way. So maybe to, to wrap it up, I was going to say, you know, what kind of advice would you give to people trying to make it in the industry? Um, but on, to, on top of what you've already said, because this entire conversation is really just gems of advice for everybody in the community. But if you had to give us one big takeaway um, in terms of advice for people that are really trying to make that jump in the industry, what could you give them? Yeah, I always struggle with this because I feel like my path is, I always say like, don't follow like what I did because you need to do your own, like you need to do your own thing, you know? And like, there's obviously little takeaways that we can get from everybody's journey to sort of build your own path. But um, the one thing I do, I would say is like, you know, for me, it was reception perception. The thing that stands out, like, as I said, there, it's a very big house where a lot of people are contributing good content, but how do you stand out in that crowd? You know, how do you stand out in that group of folks, that big house of, of a lot of voices that are doing great stuff? Like basically ask yourself, you know, why should someone listen to you? Uh, that was the question that I asked myself back in 2014. And the answer that I came up with is they shouldn't, they shouldn't listen. They shouldn't listen to me because who am I? What do I know? What am I bringing to the table? And that was basically where reception perception came along. And like, yeah, you can say, I, I work really hard at this. 
everybody works really hard at this. Like everybody studies, uh, everybody, uh, you know, everybody that's in here doing content, all three of you, tons of the people out there that we know are putting a ton of time into this, you know, and like, well, maybe not Matt, but that's what, but he knows he can just coast by on his name. So, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but like, you know, everybody knows that everyone's out there working hard. Um, that hard work is not enough. So you got to bring something to the table, something that's different, something that's unique, something that stands out. I don't know like what that is for everybody. Um, but there are so many also just like new mediums and with, with to do this, you know, whether it's YouTube, I still, I think there's so many folks that are out there on YouTube now, which is awesome because like two years ago I was saying, you know, just saying not being smart enough to do it, but like, why is no one like, why is no one kicking, you know, kicking down the doors on YouTube with fantasy? Like it's basically the fantasy footballers like Nick Ercolano. And like, that was it back like two mm -hmm. years ago. Now everybody, like now everyone's trying to make it on YouTube and trying to do the fantasy thing on YouTube, which is great. I don't know. Like, is there, can you do fantasy stuff on TikTok? I have no idea. Uh, but like, I know I'm addicted to um, not fan, not football. TikTok. TikTok is like my break from football. Um, TikTok is like I'm I'm watching fitness, uh, food, uh, dogs. That's it. I don't want. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to see any football content. Um, although I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a reception perception TikTok channel in the future. We'll see. Hard to know. But yeah, I don't know. Those those so like find new places and find new ways to um, bring content so that you stand out. I think that's the, the, the best like general advice uh, I, I could give. That's really awesome. good. I really appreciate, you know, so many of the things that you said here today, obviously like appreciate you taking your time and all those things for, you don't need us to help plug you, but for, for anyone who's a fan of you, <laughs> how can they help? How can they support you, you know, and, 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 could, and uh, you know, in, in everything that you're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, if people would love to give it a chance, just go to receptionperception.com. We have uh, three tiers of pricing so that there's something for everyone. Obviously, you get different levels of access based on uh, what you sign up for. Um, I, you know, I would love it if people would check that out. I do think like having this tiered releasing too, like, like I said, next Monday, you know, guys like Brandon Ayuk, all these rookies from last year that like dynasty players sure really want to know about. Um, they can head there, you know, purchase access. You get it like early. I think that's, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. So like uh, I, I would, I would love if people go and just check out the website. Um, there is some free content up there too, whether it's the superlatives article from the NFL draft, um, you know, I give you a little taste of what you're going to get with reception perception. If you're new. Um, yeah. I would love it if people would, uh, would go check that out and uh, support the awesome work that, uh, that, that James is doing and uh, you know, that I'm around for as well. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely everybody make sure to go check that out also speaking of new mediums and people doing good work on it tara is on clubhouse and does an amazing job there so make sure if you're watching this follow tara because she's doing a great job killing it over there follow her on twitter too criminally underfollowed very smart <laughs> very awesome to have her here on the show matt is doing great work over at dynastyvipers.com so make sure to go check out the website if you're watching this and you're not subscribed to the channel Make sure you subscribe down below. Hit the like button. Hit the notification so you know every time we have a show like this that comes up. And uh, yeah, Matt, I'll toss it over to you for the last word. For the last word. Well, I just want to thank uh, Matt for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you and you making the time to come out here. Uh, so for uh, Matt Harmon, for Calvin Shoemake, for Tara Roberts, and for the other Matt, that's me, uh, <laughs> I leave you this final word. Remember, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, but there's always time for cheeseburgers in paradise. <laughs> Goodbye.